Hey Kumpel, willkommen zum Lebensstil Geschäftspodcast. Hey Podcast Listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Everybody, happy Thursday morning. This is Lifestyle Business Podcast, a show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Today, I'm joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who recently tried to use his credit card bonus points to upgrade to the co-pilot seat. Apparently, they don't let you do that. Trying to get as close to the front of the plane as possible, Dan. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we'll be sharing with you one of our favorite niche selection heuristics, Rip, Pivot, and Jam. Plus we are going to share with you the $100,000 question. This is the type of question that can help you save huge money in your business. It's not a gimmick. It's a real thing that you can do, and we're going to explain why it works. So this whole episode is all about selecting profitable niches. That's right. We are revisiting episode 90, I believe, where we first introduced the idea of Rip, Pivot, and Jam. We've gone back. We've refined it. We've actually uh, figured out how we use it in our business, and uh, we're going to share that with you guys today. Yeah, that's that's the game plan. Um, also, this works for, you know, this is not only something that works if you're just getting started. This is even more applicable to people like us who are looking for more strategic niches from which to sort of pivot our current resources into more profitable niches. You're always doing niche selection, right? It's a constant process, and we'll talk a little bit about that. At the top of the show, you heard Thorsten uh, from Reverb. .com. Great domain, Thorsten, and thank you for hooking us up with the appropriate German pronunciation. Um, missing Berlin at all? Or? No, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're in Saigon. Last night we hung out with uh, Mr. John Myers, and uh, my voice sounds a little raspy because uh, Mr. John Myers likes to go to the hookah bars. Kaiser Soze, man. Yeah, so <laughs> here we are. Thanks to Mish and Rob from Making It Anywhere dot com I met them at dcber uh they really enjoyed the travel episode and they wrote up uh our points there but they also added their own thoughts so uh, we're just going to link see over to that episode 154 itunes reviews this week in five stars from phil says whether you're looking to, to start a business or already own one this podcast tackles a lot of the questions you should be facing thank you phil and jeff from speakeasybriefs.com. Sounds fascinating. Interesting. Says, you must check this out. Seriously, put your earbuds in. Um, this is the best online business podcast community in the world, and I am living proof that this podcast is legit. Since I started listening, I left my day job and launched a profitable online business. Unlike some resources that offer theoretical advice and abstract examples, the LBB provides straightforward, actionable information that you can immediately implement in your business and life. Let's get to that today, Dan. All right, Jeff, let's do it. All right, Meat and Potatoes, episode 154, how profitable niche selection really works, rip, pivot, and jam redux. So we looked back over all of our niche selections, and you've heard it if you listen to the last 153 episodes, how most of the time we bomb, part of the time we get our money back, and then occasionally we nail it. <laughs> right. And this is, a, this is a game of how fast can we fail. All right. So why rip, 
pivot and jam. And we're going to explain exactly what that means. But first, why? The, the, the whole framework here is understanding that we are not that smart, right? There is this market intelligence out there. So the way I like to frame this up for myself is uh, we're all kind of out there in the ocean of life, right? <laughs> Paddling around. And, uh, you know, these waves are demonstrated cash flows. And uh, either you catch the wave in, you ride that wave, or you kind of paddle and make all this. You struggle. Right. You do the thing that most entrepreneurs do. They think that they're, they can do it all. If I just lock myself in my study long enough, I'm going to be able to get to shore. If I paddle hard enough, right? But we want to ride that wave. In some ways, it's our lack of confidence that helps us, right? Because we're like, screw it. I can't paddle that hard. You know, I can barely walk up the steps to my apartment without huffing and puffing. Right. So I need to find a wave to ride in order to be successful. Um, so that's part of the reason. We are the salt and pepper so to speak, not the meat and potatoes. Right. We are identifying what's already out there and then just peppering it in our own unique way. Um, the other thing about Rip, Pivot, and Jam is that this really works. Like when we look back at the ways in which we were successful and the ways in which we failed, and we look at many of the people in our audience, like you know, Jeff recently said, a lot of the techniques from this podcast, I meet people all the time that say, I Rip, Pivot, and Jam, and now I'm in business. That's why we're revisiting this idea. And finally, we wanted to pull together a guideline of implementation because- yeah. It was a little bit theoretical. It's still going to be theoretical, but we're going to bring it down with some specific examples and some specific frameworks that you guys can use to actually rip, pivot, and jam your next niche idea. Really quickly, Ian, what it's not, it is not ripping people off. So the rip portion of rip, pivot, and jam, we are not suggesting that you rip people off. First off, that's unethical. I'm not into being unethical, even if it makes you money. Me too, businesses suck. Me too, businesses suck. They're bad strategy. It's a really bad strategy to rip people off. The other day, we were looking at our cell phone in St. Peter's Cathedral, and some jerk uh, ripped us off. Yeah, he and I think I right off. it was a really bad time to be ripped off, right? Because I was in the Lord's house. <laughs> and <laughs> shouldn't be checking your cell phone. By the way, good point. <laughs> and, and, but I thought, you know what? I've been ripped off enough times at this point where I know that this is a bad strategy. I'm not that concerned about this guy. Um, but if you use Rip, Pivot, and Jam, I'd be a little bit more concerned. And right. We'll get into that. Number two, it prevents you from uh, having innovators influenza or from being Good Idea Glenn. Yes. And, and these two guys are the guys that are – or gals that are they're lack, locked into their garage uh, for two years now because they're very busy with other things. And they've got this great idea and maybe they'll share it with you if you sign an NDA. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> right. uh, maybe you could be a 20% investor. I don't know. Let's talk about I it. But my uncle any- knows somebody at NASA. and I mean you don't want to be a good idea, Glenn. Right? Haven't talked to any customers yet. I mean, we talk about good idea, Glenn. If lot. you get two percent of the total demonstrated marketplace, that's you're gonna have a ten million dollar company. It's right. like just please don't be good idea, Glenn. Um, finally, it prevents you from being that me too business. And what a lot of people do, especially in the information space, is they start a business under the kind of vague impression that they're in a blue ocean. In that blue ocean, there's that even that book, Blue Ocean Strategy. Well, you're not. You do have competition. Even when you're a blogger, people are comparing you to other blogs in your niche. And what Rip, Pivot, and Jam helps you to do is identify your key differentiators and figure out how valuable they really are to your marketplace. Yeah, this is actually a mistake that we made with the cat furniture business, right? So we came out with uh, modern cat furniture about five years ago. And uh, I didn't think that we were in competition with the traditional carpeted cat condos, Right. right? So I said, no, this is a new product. This is a new market. This is... Bad idea. I want to be part of the demonstrated market, the demonstrated cash flow. And then yeah. I want to do something that's a little bit different. And so that's 
what we're going to talk about is this rip pivot and jam model but uh, there's already you know, a pie party you're just looking for a slice right exactly right rather than just coming in with a whole new concept and saying this is a whole new everybody's already at the pie party and everybody's having a good time right, everybody likes pie yeah. <laughs> all right so let's figure out how to find that pie and we'll start with rip the first element rip uh, breaks down into three different parts the first part is you want to inventory and this is not about this is sort of the where you start with yourself Right. So what are my unique traits that allows me to participate in this market? Or what have I been paid for or paid to do in the past? Right. So this is getting away a little bit away from good idea, Glenn, and, and sort of stepping back and saying, all right, you've got a job. Someone's investing 40 grand in you a year or whatever. Why? What are those demonstrated traits or skill sets that people are really willing to invest in you? Those things will translate. And so for us, uh, now we have a pretty established business. So when I go through our business, I look and say, well, we've got two sales guys. This is what they're competent in. Uh, we've got a warehouse guy. We've got people that know SolidWorks. We've got China connections. Like this is kind of our platform. Yes. Yeah, so when we first got started, that was, you know, remember when I was Good Idea Glenn and I wanted to start FreightSpace.com. I wanted right. to do this pallet card generator. And all I was was Good Idea Glenn. I was in the back room all excited at night, paying Indian developers and all this stuff. But meanwhile, somebody's paying me a bunch of money to manage custom manufacturing products. Right. And that's the kind of leverage that really helps you cut business deals. Right. I was also, at the time, we were ranking websites on Google. That's another real clear piece of leverage. And now as you go along, you know, we're getting into the software business in the next few weeks, and we'll be talking more about that. Now, part of the reason we can do that is because we have leverage. We have clear demonstrated skill sets that parlay into software and allow us to partner with software people. Whereas at the beginning, if you just have an idea – that's not that's not a, something you want to inventory. You want to be inventorying your skill sets that people will pay for. Correct. All right. The next step, and this is where it gets fun, espionage. Who is achieving the kind of results that we want to achieve? This is the number one biggest mistake when people are selecting niches. Is They, they make all kinds of mistakes with espionage. They look at people who aren't making any money right. and consider – I mean <laughs> we do in-depth research on the types of businesses that we want to create and the types of results that are already happening out in the marketplace. This is wave selection, right? This is looking at the set coming in on the horizon and saying, you know, once I take this wave, I'm going to have to have a long paddle back out. So I make sure that I'm choosing the right wave. Right. And just to, to reiterate your point, you know, choosing niches that nobody's making money in is a bad idea because you're going to spend a lot of time not making a lot of money. So we're looking at you travel bloggers. Right. So <laughs> when you when you look at uh, who's achieving the kind of results that you want to be achieving, uh, you look at is the market growing? Uh, what are the companies that are playing? What is their market share? What is their background? What is their income? Now, what let me their business platform look like absolutely let me let me underline that point of is the market growing nine out of ten small businesses uh, it's track with the marketplace that seems to make sense to me all things being equal choose a growth market and if you're choosing a constricting market you better have a really good reason as to why you're doing that all boats go up rising tide also when you when you do the espionage make sure you're aiming high enough because you, if you're just going to get a slice of that pie you want to make sure that the pie is pretty big. Yeah, and this is a mistake that I've talked about a lot 
you know, in our niche selection, we've in the past when we didn't have this heuristic to work off, we've chosen niches that weren't necessarily big enough to uh, satisfy our taste for business. Right. Yeah. And it's really important, you know, that you pick a market, you know, this market has a, this is a $20 billion market and the suppliers are making $10 million right. a piece or whatever it is for you. But don't pick something that you can only make $1,000 a month at if your target uh, monthly income is $10,000. All right. Final stage of RIP is assessment. Ask yourself, is it feasible to achieve similar results given our position and resources? And this is where we ask the famous question that's become important in our niche selection, and we hope it becomes important for yours, which is, does this niche pass the on-stage test? All right, so many, so many people say, write me an email, and I love these people, and I felt the same way. Dan, um, I found a key term niche with 25,000 monthly searches, like the search competition is not that high. Uh, should I, you know, would you go for it? And my response is always, well, does it pass the on-stage test? This is the reason we're not making sex toys right now. That's right. Right? <laughs> plenty, plenty of great ideas for sex toys out there, but do you want to have to be talking about sex toys on stage five years from now in front of your family? Yeah, and plenty of people do, right? And that's, that's the key point is that if you're going to be bored silly by the niche or you don't want to interact with people in that industry, it doesn't matter how sweet the search terms is because in order to be successful in a niche and to extract the most value from it and to really build a great business, you've got to be willing to be on stage at the industry-leading conference within three to five years. And it's weird because we kind of have this heuristic in the back of our minds and we're sort of on stage talking about it. And I think when we got into this whole podcasting bit, it was it was stage or bust, right? We weren't content to sort of lurk in the background and get some SEO traffic and have it funnel down into an ebook thing. No way. We want to be on stage uh, learning, leading. All right, Ian, a lot more to rip, but we got to get moving on to pivot because this is where the real fun begins. Uh, the first stage of pivoting is analysis. So first of all, pivots are either differentiators between design features, functions, or industries a lot of times. That's right. So you want to, okay, so the RIP portion, you know, we've made it more complex, but basically you're saying, wow, that company is doing something great and they're having tons of success. How can I have a sustainable differentiator that can be profitable over the long term, but that participates in the same sort of value and cash flow? And again, this doesn't only work in zero-sum markets. This works in all markets, right? So you don't necessarily need to be competing directly with people. You're just leveraging the intelligence. Like businesses are like they're like uh, those turkey temperature things where you stick them in the in the turkey in the marketplace and it tells you what temperature they are, right? So businesses are like little thermometers. They say like this is what the market wants. This is what the market's saying, and that's not the in, that's not the only way the market could express itself. So what you're trying to find is something. Same, same, but different. Right. So the wheel has existed for a long time. And then pretty recently, somebody decided to put wheels on the suitcase, right? Genius. Yeah, genius. Absolutely <laughs> I wanna, genius. I want to shake that person's hand. They reinvented the wheel, right? And, yeah. And uh, I think pivot actually has a lot to do with innovation, too. That's right. This is how real innovation happens, right? Um, you don't start... Uh, with Good Idea Glenn on the garage on Sunday afternoon and you innovate. Innovation happens from people who are at the edge of industries, who have, who are taking existent ideas and cross-pollinating them. So if you look back, uh, you know maybe this is a whole other episode where we have to make that argument, but just trust us for the sake of this heuristic. Being engaged in things is what creates innovation, and that's why when you go back to the uh, initial phase of, of looking at your self-inventory, it makes sense to ask yourself what you're already doing 
rather than, oh, I'm going to start fresh and be a software person, right? right? You want to leverage the momentum and the assets that you've built up, even if you haven't really noticed them yourself. And that's the inventory stage. But we're on pivot right now. And this is my favorite part of the episode where we get to the $100,000 question. Describe to us how this worked in the portable bar industry. Okay, so uh, for us, the th- the $100,000 question quite literally was, what is your most popular product? And this is Boom. something that we uh, called the competition and asked them about, of course, right? Because uh, here's the thing. Uh, if you're a good idea, Glenn, you sit in your garage all day trying to figure out what the best portable bar is. Yeah. Okay, what we do is we just call people that are already buying portable bars, people that are already making portable bars, and ask them. Because they've got tons of market intelligence that would take us years right. to get to. The difference between turkey th- thermometers and businesses is that business thermometers are really freaking expensive, right? Like for us to develop one portable bar could easily cost us, say, $25,000. So say somebody that already has a portable bar company has five products. That could have easily cost them, oh, maybe they did it two years ago. Maybe it cost them $200,000. By asking them what the most popular product is, we maybe just saved ourselves $100,000. And, and everybody can ask this question. Everybody can go onto any blog and say, what is the most popular episode? Or what is the most popular blog post? You don't need to be good idea, Glenn. You just need to look at what, what the market has already said, what the turkey's temperature already is. Right. What are you going to build off? And so we found out that information, and then we figured out what our specific pivot was going to be from that point. Okay. So, But, but getting up to that point, that's why it's a $100,000 question, right? Because we might have had to go through two or three or four different variations of portable bars until we got to that benchmark. But all we had to do was just call people and find out. That's it. All right. So the next step of pivot then is your conception. And this is where you start to take all of these elements that we're talking about and you start to brew them and then you start to kick out conceptions. And I feel like conception, this stage, sometimes I'm always kicking this idea out to people and I don't know whether it's a bad idea or whether it's a difficult idea. So maybe you guys can give me your feedback on that because this is the, the essence of deal making is saying, all right, here's, the, here's what I'm thinking about in terms of a feature set. It's going to be a six foot bar. It's going to be white and it's going to be better in all these ways. Uh, what do you guys think about 997? I'll ship it in 24 hours. So what we're saying here is conception. And this works in every market is price. It's the nexus of price features, not, not benefits, right? Let's stick with the features and rhythm. Right. How and when are you going to charge me for that? Are you going to charge me on a monthly basis? What are the terms going to be? When are you going to ship or deliver the product to me? Um, and so, again, this is the kind of thing that Ian and I do all day long, right? We sit around and say, well, what do you think if we uh, put out something that did this and we charge this for it and we delivered it in this way? That is the fundamental moment of deal making, and that is the most important part of the pivot stage. I just I just want to bring up a, another real-world example here. So we're talking about our portable bars. Jeff is smiling, man. Yeah. <laughs> this, happens, uh, this happens all the time. Uh, so the Mustang came out in 1964 and a half. Yeah. Okay, and it was a, it was a rear-wheel drive muscle car. It had a big engine in it. Uh, it was sporty and it was cool. Um, and then in, I think, 1966, what did Camaro do? Or what did uh, Chevrolet do? They came right. out with the Camaro. And it was very similar to the, Mus- to the Mustang. And so they did a pony car pivot, right? They came out with their own version of the Mustang because they knew that they had an audience that would buy the Mustang, but they are Chevrolet people. That's right. right. So You uh, can do this with like, you know, say you're a, a popular blogger and like somebody else has a monetization method that's working for their audience. It's a 
good enough pivot to use their model and graft it onto your audience, right? So you don't need to like remake. You can go out and look at what we're doing with Dynamite Circle. You can go look at what James Schramm is doing with Fast Web Formula. You can go out and look at these people and just say, you know, maybe I can just take that model and graft it onto my audience and my audience is the pivot. Correct. So, so, so again, you're just ripping the demonstrated turkey temperature. Intelligence. Especially if you're following us, you're getting a turkey temperature, <laughs> as my father would say. <laughs> All right. So the final part of this conception phase, Ian, is you have to be kicking it out. This is the development stage. You go out and you, you, you're armed with a conception, ideally on a sales letter or a video or whatever. And this is what we're going to be doing with our software company in the next few weeks. We're going to talk all about that. I, just, I hate to do the tempting stuff. I'm sorry. We're going to be back next week on this stuff. But you go out there and you let, you let people look at the conception and you say, would you buy this? Even better, would you pre-buy it? Would you actually give me money? We've done this many, many times. Will you give me 400 bucks right now? You'll get the first delivery. This is the same thing as Kickstarter, right? Yep. Why not? Put the conception clear enough such that people could buy it, ask them for their money. If yes, you know you're ready for jam. Yeah, buddy, let's get to a little jam. All right, we've done rip. We've done pivot. We found your sustainable and profitable differentiator. Now we are on to jam. Three parts to jam. There's goals, KPIs, and execution. All right, the first part of jam is goals, which is asking yourself, what does success look like? Uh, when we're talking about concrete stuff, how many number of units do I need to sell? What are my profit on those units? What's my overhead at that? So we always ask ourselves, this is what so many people don't do and we didn't do it ourselves, is what does success look like concretely and then what are the implications of that success so you know do you have employees do you have a higher marketing budget what's going on at that level i don't like limping into businesses and this is a way that you don't limp into a business you say our goal is to sell one portable bar a day starting in six months from now that is our goal right yeah that is our goal and it's really 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 important to have these kind of goals or else you just you don't know when you fail right and so this is when we're trying to figure out how can we fail as fast as possible if two years from now we're not selling a bar a day something went wrong our pivot went wrong by the way are you gonna tell the story of how we screwed up this portable bar thing not yet okay we'll tell that later all right next step is key progress indicators so how specifically are you going to track your success during the jam phase I don't want to hear about your gut feel. I don't want to hear about uh, what, what your mom thinks about your new business. I want a KPI that says if we're not achieving that one bar, so in our case that might be a sales goal, right. if we're not moving that one bar a day within six months, we need to come back to the table and ask ourselves, have we failed? Does this constitute a failure? Uh, what next do we need to do here? Right. So customer acquisition costs, target profitability, these are some of the things that you might want to track with your KPIs. Especially customer acquisition costs. I think that's a fantastic one. Finally, in the jam phase, execution. Here's where you want to identify constraints and rush to those fail points. So that's what jam's really all about, Ian. It's about, you know, Rob Walling said in his, uh, his speech at MicroConf, last MicroConf, I love this speech. He said, look, I didn't get any better at identifying great niches. I got better at accelerating my failures. And that way he's getting more information, he's going back to the pivot phase, right? Because that's what happens when you, when you screw up the jam is, is you go back and you re-pivot, you re-pivot, and you find a better way to approach that cash flow. Right, so that, that's a really important part of the rip, pivot, and jam uh, system here is that jam always leads back to pivot, okay? So right. if you don't meet your KPIs or you do meet your KPIs and things are going really well, you're gonna wanna pivot again to figure out how you can uh, create new KPIs and goals and then keep 
keep going. So that's that's kind of the punchline of the whole thing, right? Yeah. So you rip, and then you pivot, and then you jam, and then you pivot, jam, pivot, the, jam. The criti- critical thing to look at here is once you've identified those KPIs, like what are the things that are going to allow you to constitute failure or success? You look at the things that are standing in the way between you and achieving that KPI, and those things are all constraints. And when the road is so simplified in your mind, this is a heuristic, right? It makes it simple to take a look at this, make judgments. There's not a lot of data involved here. All you have to do is remove those constraints. What could I do? Am I doing anything in my life that is taking me away from removing those constraints? I have a lunch date today. Well, a lunch date is, is, is not contributing to removing that constraint, right? Because all, and this is this jam mentality of I'm removing everything between me and the straight line between the KPI that is going to make this business success or that's going to tell me whether it's a failure and I got to go back to the pivot stage. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense to me. All right, let's get moving on to just the tips. So Ooh, that was you, a lot of information. Are you are you going to tell the story about how we failed with the? I don't sure. Yeah, I'll tell it real quick here. So uh, you know, we use Rip Pivot and Jam uh, for the portable bar industry to get into the portable bar game. Yeah. And uh, what we did, uh, and we used it for basically everything else too, intuitively, yeah. right? And this Correct. is what the fundamental idea. I think that we were maybe naturally good at. Actually, we weren't naturally good at it, but when we looked at our successes and this i just want to reiterate this point is that we were always leveraging market intelligence we weren't trying to be good idea glenn every time we were good idea glenn just absolutely we tried to be our own meat and potatoes we got screwed when we decided we were just a salt and the pepper with just a little bit of flavor on the sidelines. Made it a lot easier for us. That's right, buddy. So, we went platinum. Uh, long story short, uh, we are expert metal manufacturers. That's a lot of what we do is manufacture metal in China. And so we were looking to leverage our platform to see what we can do from our platform. Uh, and so we came across the portable bar industry. And yeah, yeah. it looked pretty What's good. What's the punchline? We did the market analysis. <laughs> uh, the, the punchline is that our first year out of the gate, we did about half of what we wanted to do. Yeah, uh, And uh, a lot of it had to do with how strong our pivot was. So our first pivot wasn't super strong. Um, and that was because, you know, we asked a $100,000 question and that only got us so far. So the idea is that like, you know, your value proposition has to both be legible to the current cash flow, but be differentiated enough that people are going to jump. Right. So it got us, uh, being in the market got us to about half of our, our, our goal, which, you know, was a bit arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, right. But it was our goal. Uh, and so then we started selling these bars and we had a lot of customer feedback. And then they helped us design the second bar, right? Because they said, and this is our second pivot. Ding, ding, right? ding, right? So they said, this is what you guys need to do. Uh, we buy a lot of these. You know, This is what the competition is. So we got even more information. And now we're on our second pivot. Uh, we've got a couple more products, and we're well on our way to our goal. Right. So in, in, in other words, a customer-defined pivot, so much more valuable than a garage-defined yes. pivot. All right. Well, Glenn is Glenn is very jealous of our customer pivot we because pr- he has no customers. <laughs> we promised the tips, man. I got to say, if you're on Mac OS, get that time machine hooked up, someone rips off your laptop, you are back in business in less than 10 minutes. This is an onboard feature. It's freaking brilliant. No reason. Once you go Mac, man. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, group me, uh, iPhone app for your clicks. You know, we, we, we travel around a lot in Southeast Asia. Uh, hat tip to John Myers, Kaiser Sose, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, said, why don't we all get on GroupMe uh, a couple days ago? And it's been fun the last couple of days. It's kind of like WhatsApp 
but it's, it's more focused on if you have a little group of people that maybe you all want to have dinner together. I'll be sitting at a cafe here in Saigon and say, hey, you know, here's a picture. I'm at this cafe. Anybody want to meet up with me? I, Pretty cool. I, I think 14-year-olds probably knew about this a lot, lot sooner than we did. Yeah, absolutely. I'm quite positive of that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, back when we were 14-year-old, man, uh, getting those music tastes that never die out, Jimmy Eat World. Uh, absolutely uh, love this band. Thought we just I was just going back to uh, some old Dan and Ian jams. This is called the Authority Song, uh, and uh, we love coming back to Jimmy Eat World, and we hope you love coming back to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday morning. Booyah! Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episode one through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning. 